my experience with relationships is that if you if you have two equal people that are coming together synergistically, that creates a fantastic union. Yeah, it gives it the best chance of success. But if you have two people, business or personal, that are that are coming together where one of them in some way is getting together for a rescue or one of them is getting ready or getting together to rescue, they're in trouble. Welcome everybody to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prigo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Hey, welcome everybody to this episode of Money in Relationships. That's right. Money, 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 money. I have a conversation with a returning guest, Sean Rawls. I first had Sean on back in April 21, which we talked about, should I stay or should I go? So those of you that haven't listened to that podcast, let me tell you a little bit more about Sean. After building Atlanta's number one real estate company, Sean continued his passion for helping people live their best lives and produce their best work by writing the book, Effortless, 18 F-words to reframe and repurpose your life. Effortless helps you evaluate important aspects of your life and helps you on a path to living the life you want rather than accepting the life that you got. Sean is an author and a highly sought after speaker based in Atlanta, Georgia. And I highly recommend this book. I read it when it first came out last year. And it really made me reflect on aspects of my life. And as a therapist, I recommend it to people that are reflecting on their life to live a better life. So because of his past experience of working with individuals and couples around money issues constantly, I thought he would be a great one to speak with. Plus, he's just a really good guy and a good conversationalist. So some of you may know this, but money is one of the biggest predictors, or let me say conflicts around money, is one of the biggest predictors around divorces. It is the number one issue that married couples fight about, and it is the second leading cause of divorce behind infidelity. So we get into various conversations about money and relationships. For instance, like, should you have a joint bank account? Do you discuss your lifestyle choices together? Are you exchanging and understanding your money mindset? And what about financial infidelity? That's right, it exists out there. Are you keeping your purchases out in the open or are you keeping them secret? Yep, about setting some expectations together around money. So it's a good conversation that, that we have. And before we get on to the episode, I do want to share this with you. I talked about 
my coaching and mentoring groups that I'm going to have through my new coaching practice, way beyond coaching and consulting. And I'm going to start two groups in October. One is going to be for individuals and another group will be for couples. They will be live on Zoom. There will be two hour sessions and a six session total over three months. I am in the process of getting that all up on my website right now. All the details and the dates. Each group will meet twice in October, twice in November, and twice in December. They are my pilot groups, so I'm giving a special discount for the participants in these groups. So I'm really excited about it, and I just want to get it out because that information is being posted on my website as we speak. And you're welcome to email me and contact me at prepo.com if you have some detailed questions about those groups. Okay, everybody, here we go. Conversation on money, 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 money. Money. Money and relationships with Sean Rawls. Let's talk about it. Thanks, my man. Here we go again. It's been a while. I think it was last uh, April, a, w- a year ago, April, that, that we... Has it been that long? Been that long. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So wow. it goes by fast, man. When we're getting older, I'm turning 59 on Friday. And it's like, man, I remember, I think I had an uncle that I was saying after 30, I said, wow, you know, it really goes, years go by fast. And he was in the 60s and he said, wait till you turn 60. That shit goes by fast. Believe <laughs> so, it. Yeah. Believe it. I mean, it, it definitely, life is a top that gets faster and faster, isn't it? Yeah. So you're at a lake house in, in Georgia? Yeah, we're um, we're about uh, an hour north of Atlanta, uh, Lake Lanier, and um, pretty little place on the lake. And it's kind of become a great place for us to just kind of unwind and drop the blood pressure a little bit and have some fun with kids. And you know, now they're at the age where you know boating and skiing and surfing and tubing and you know it's it's hard not to have fun on a lake with kids for sure. I mean, anybody that can do it or has the means to do it. If you got a family, it's, uh, I, it, it really is some of the best quality family time you'll ever have. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks so much for taking a little bit of that family time away to, to wrap with me. It is my pleasure. I'd, I'd drop a lot of things for you, Prepo. There we go. My man. All right. So big subject, money, money, money with, with relationships. And I know with, uh, your background of the real estate companies that you had and dealing with families and, and couples a lot, I thought, man, let me, let me do this with Sean. And, and, I, and of course, I love the way that we go back and forth and rap because it's a big subject. And we were just talking earlier about there's so much involved. I don't want to really, you know, people can, could uh, listen to podcasts with financial advisors and everything, but there's such an emotional component to deal with, with money. Yeah, it's, um, it's a big one. And when you think about it in terms of relationships, when you, when you asked me about that, I thought, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a, that could be a very heavy topic for a lot of people. And it's, um, and you're right, my background's seen a lot of things with, with money you know, in, in real estate. It's kind of interesting. One of the things I used to teach our people is, you know, everybody's cool until you put a dollar on the table. 
And um, we'd see it. We, we'd, you know, you'd, you'd work with a client, a buyer or seller who is just the most awesome, awesome person. You'd want to, you, you couldn't imagine not being best of friends when the transaction was over just because you all hit it off so well. And the minute that there's a negotiation and a dollar is involved, you will see the coolest people on the planet turn into absolute Scrooges who are um, focused on winning at anyone else's expense. And, um, and I don't know, and, and, and my guess is in those cases, my guess is it's not just a financial or, 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 or a business oriented mentality. My guess is people that have that um, desire for control of money, it, it probably translate, you probably see it in your practice, I would think where it translates into, into your personal relationships and certainly marriages as well. I mean, there's probably all kinds of things we could talk about that we've seen where people do that. But um, yeah, it's, it's, once you put a dollar on the table, every, everybody gets, everybody gets revealed for how cool they really are. um, When you put a dollar on the table. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. And speak to what you were speaking to before about uh, the points. Oh, um, the, the, yeah, it's, um, you know, in real estate, we, one of the common, common things in real estate is for people to partner up and create teams. So you could have, two good agents that are um, doing really well, but their, their, their personal life is suffering because they're, they're doing too many things and, um, and they just don't have enough leverage. And a lot of times people will say, well, Hey, let's, um, why don't you and I partner up and we'll be, we'll become the Sean and Prepo team. And um, we can, we can sell twice as much and we can cover each other more off and relieve each other and some time to stress and that sort of thing. And, Seems like a good idea, and 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 off we go. And it's Sean and Prepo instead of Sean and Prepo separately. And um, I've watched a lot of people do this, and I've watched a lot of those relationships go down in flames. And um, and more often than not, that's really what happens because you have people who are driven, and you have people who have some sort of an ego, and you have people that you know want to be recognized and have self worth and all kinds of stuff, and. Then you throw in the, you know, they're just their own mentality about money that was never discussed anyway. And um, the one thing I've always warned teams about is, you know, here, here's, here's the reality of it. The minute, the minute you guys can have a great, you guys can do awesome. This next year could be fantastic. It'd be the honeymoon phase. The next year might not be as fantastic, but you still like it. And then you hit that third year and you're like, somebody looks up at the scoreboard and the minute somebody looks at the scoreboard and says, hey, wait a minute, most of those points on the board um, were because of me. And I'm splitting everything with prepo 50-50. And I think I've brought in 62% of the income. Um, I don't think I'm getting my fair share. And the minute somebody looks at the scoreboard that way and starts counting points and who's responsible for what points on the board, it's the beginning of the end. And my guess is it, it, the minute that happens, it, 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 you're 12 months or less from that dissolving in business. Yeah. And, and I think in life too, because we just mentioned um, my sports analogy around that. When you got a disgruntled wide receiver or in basketball, if they're going, I'm not getting my points, I'm not getting my points after a while. They're going to be, their ass could be traded and <laughs> they're not a team member at all. They don't win championships, as you said. So I think that happens w- with couples is that's a slow erosion because that's power, a power differentiation, disempowering the other person, 
Um, there's an aspect of contempt. I'm better than you. You're not doing it right. So I get it when when couples want to have autonomy. They want to be differentiated. Uh, but I think when it comes to a marriage, that's a little funky not sharing bank accounts because, you know, even you, you mentioned something earlier about talking about money. Most people right off in their relationship, they never talk about money. They don't tell their money stories. They don't talk about their goals and their visions. They don't talk about their challenges or past relationships. When we do that, we get to know the person more. We get to to work with them in a, in a different way. So it's an opportunity for couples to just get closer and get to know each other instead of this huge separation mind. Do you, find, do you find that to be the case for um, second or third marriages as well as for, I mean, at first, I think that's an absolute, probably way majority truth. My guess would be that in a second marriage, it's somebody posted something the other day and said, you know, dating at, dating at our age is like trying to find the least damaged fruit on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it's pretty funny because some people say you don't date on the, for a second or third marriage, you interview, right? And, and you ask a lot more questions and you try to figure some things out. But it's, do you find that to be true for, for, um, for the second and third marriages? Or do you think that's more of a, a hot topic for people because they might've gotten burned the first time unintentionally? Yeah, I, I think that that's a topic where they, they consider themselves smarter. They're going to protect themselves more. They're not going to get into old, older patterns. So I think it's more clear delineation around, especially when it comes to, you know, blended families and so forth. There's an aspect of like, I want to make sure that my kids are taken care of. And, you know, there's not so much, I don't deal a lot with people with prenups, but they have this aspect of, I do want to not repeat old patterns and I want to sure. protect myself. Sure. I see that with second and third marriages. You know, you go back to um, that real estate analogy or the, or the team things. One, one of the things I've always said about relationships now that I think about it is, um, and I used to coach on this from a business standpoint, but I would mention the personal aspect of it and say, it's, it's um, my experience with relationships is that if you, if you have two equal people that are coming together synergistically, that creates a fantastic union. Yeah, it gives it the best chance of success. But if you have two people, business or personal, that are that are coming together where one of them in some way is getting together for a rescue, or one of them is getting ready or getting together to rescue, they're in trouble. Because it's not it's not on solid footing, and 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 you're putting way giving somebody else way too much power from the beginning. And I I think I've mentioned that my, my mother pretty much raised my my brother and I. Not that my father wasn't in the picture, but he just he was away. And um, but I watched it with my mom. My mom was a you know beautiful is a beautiful and very capable human being. And um, she didn't go to college, which I think was always she. They got married right out of high school, and um, my dad got the degree and. Um, and I think that always was a, uh, thing of insecurity for her. And, um, and I just watched her in probably being a single mother in the seventies and, you know, eighties that, uh, her relationships, I think had a, had a, had an element of rescue in them. I mean, she would date people that had way more financial means than she did, because I think that that gave her security and felt like she had a, 
she had a lifeline there that uh, beyond her own, and um, and I saw the downsides of that, and 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 you know there were there were upsides as well, but I you know from a from a relationship standpoint, I mean they never ultimately worked out for her. What was um, and I think was, what was what's that? The, what was some of the downsides that you saw? Um, I just don't think you ever you were always trying to she was always trying to prove her value. Um. And to get an, you know, not that she had an allowance, but in my mind, it was like a to get more of an allowance, to get more recognized for what she had done or looking for recognition and a pat on the head and security that the, that, that financially she was going to be there or to get more money or to get more. And it just, but it was, for me, it just, it just seemed like it was, she was not giving herself enough credit and she was not, um, she was just, she was, I like, she was scrappy. Mom was, mom's scrappy. And so she, um, she just, I, I, I think she, I think she just didn't, didn't put herself in the best position because she didn't, she didn't have enough confidence. And um, she put, she gave a lot of that confidence away to somebody else in a relationship. And it, it ended up making her more of a victim <clears throat> yeah. than anything else. Did, did, do you feel that she, uh, did she have resentment? because of that position that she put herself in? Yeah, I think she's, um, you know, it's getting older. I think she always had a sense of entitlement um, that she, she felt like she was entitled to blank and blank and blank. And when, when those, those perceptions didn't shake out or somebody didn't respond appropriately, then um, she was very resentful and very angry about it Mm -hmm. for sure. You know, it's so funny, man. Like I, when I'm a, when I'm sitting with somebody, whether it's a couple or individual and I'm hoping, putting out to them that I'm going to create some safety for them as much as I can for them to be authentic, for them to be vulnerable. That's the biggest bang for their buck. They're wasting their money if they're not telling the truth. But the one question that I, I, I should ask purposely sometimes, but people, it's like, so tell, let, let's get it out of the way. Tell me how much money you got. In, in, in your account, man, people do not want to talk about that, right? They'll talk about, they'll talk about a past sexual abuse. They'll talk about all kinds of things, but they'll, they'll, they'll just say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well off. And I'm like, hmm, okay, well, how well off? And they don't want to give a number because of perceptions of what, what I would think or use it. And it's so interesting how we kind of guard that. I do it e- easily myself too. I don't say, so why do you want to know that? And so there's this there's a secrecy already around money. And when there's secrecy around something, there's shame always. That's a good point. I mean, it's, it's, that's a good point. It's a, it's a, um, you know, I got introduced to a, <laughs> I got introduced to a phrase in my company years ago, uh, which is, is born out of Texas. And the, and the phrase is um, big hat, no cattle. <laughs> and um and and I just I really I adore that that phrase because I think that you know aside from you know it, it, aside from just standing naked in front of somebody money's probably the next closest thing to standing naked I mean because you're gonna get judged for what you got yes. and you're and and, and 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 it's not that it's good or bad but I think so many people are playing the big hat no cattle game that they're afraid that you're going to realize they got no cattle. And, you know, yeah, I drive the nicest Mercedes and I, I, I rent an apartment. 
you know, or I, uh, you know, there it, we have all the show goods, but we 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 don't have true true. We've spent our money foolishly because we're not taking care of investing or or uh, reserve accounts and that sort of thing. We're 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 putting for show and we're not putting for dough. All right there, you go. And they have five hundred thousand dollars in debt or whatever. And, and if I and if I have to sit here and say, well, gosh, Prevo, it's um, what do I have? I've got yeah, I've got fifty thousand dollars in credit card debt. Um, we we yeah, we're 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 and we're adding on about two thousand dollars a month in in debt because we're not paying anything off. And um, I, I bought a boat and I bought I, I drive I've, I lease a Mercedes, and you know my expenses are crazy as shit, and I'm not um, I'm not really doing anything that my expenses are keeping me from becoming more financially free in the long term because I'm sacrificing for short. Right. And it's so interesting with the cultural difference or the way that we're brought up with our own stories. I was with a couple and they came in because he was just so full of anxiety about money and she wasn't. And uh, he said that he hasn't been working and uh, he's losing some money and he's petrified of you know the next month and so forth so i did ask him i said well do you want to i just want to get an idea can you can you tell me what it is that 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 you're afraid of and he said i'm just afraid of not having any money i'm like okay i said well how much money do you have right now and the guy said 1.4 million dollars and she looked at me and she said and he's afraid that next month we're not going to be able to make our bills and it's, it was so interesting for me of, he was petrified and other people that maybe have $500 or $5,000, $50,000 aren't as scared. So his story of lack and of catastrophizing came into his present moment where, you know, basically the way that they were living, he could have, you know, 10 years of not, not worrying and just live off of that. Sure. So, I think our own stories are just so vital. Like I, there was an interesting one, and I think my wife will be fine with me telling. When I first met her and we got together, the first week or so, she was um, waiting to get some money from, from I think, her Danish union to pay for uh, the Esalen um, Work Scholar Program. And she said she also needed money in her bank account to show the U.S. government because of her visa that she had money to stay. I'm like, okay. So she said, so can I borrow some money? And I'm like, borrow money for what? She said, just to put it in my bank account, show the statement and I'll give it back to you. I'm like, okay. So I said, how much money do you need? <laughs> so her fucking answer was, how much money do you have? <laughs> and I was like, look, I'm, I'm fucking from Detroit. I'm like, no, nah, baby, we don't play that. Are you, are you kidding me? And then, <laughs> we just met. <laughs> exactly. And she's like, and she has like, she had a hard time of concept around zeros and money. And she said something like $8,000. I'm like $8,000. And then she looked at me, she said, that's okay. I'll have Bob. I'll, I'll, I'll borrow money from Bob. And this was another guy that like had the hots for her and everything. And I'm like, the fuck you going to ask for Bob? I'll give you that goddamn money. <laughs> so I gave him, but that's how our relationship started off. Yeah. That's hysterical. Yeah. yeah. That's hysterical. Yeah. And all and all ended well. <clears throat> all ended well. You know, we still it's so interesting of just recognizing again that whenever we are talking about money, it, I gotta look at this is our relationship. It's not about money, it's our relationship. But we come in with 
kindness and generosity? Are we coming with curiosity? Is this a power differentiation going on or is it, are we really acting like a team? Um, so it's, 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 it's been a beautiful journey on that because some of my story, my, my growing up, my father won the fucking lottery when I was eight years old. Really? 1972, he won $200,000. 1972. And I think it was $20,000 a year for 10 years. That's how they paid it out. So, you know, he woke us up in the middle of the night and said he was going to win the lottery the next day. I come home from school off the bus, look at my mom and she's nodding. Yep. You know, he did. So I grew up with this kind of attitude. I, I still play the fucking lottery. You know, I mean, he. Why not? Yeah, you got a you got history, right? That's a money story for you. He showed me magic in that way. And also the curse around that because. Did he keep happened. it? Because most people, most people, most people lose it. Right. We were in, you know, living in Detroit and he was an aluminum siding business, aluminum siding salesman. And uh, the economy was, was had, had some issues. So he just put it right into his business. And, you know, that was it. That was it. it. Got, yeah. Bye-bye. Right. So, you know, um, what, there's a, <clears throat> have you read the book die with zero? No, you might want to with, with, with the counseling you, you give to people, but it's a, it's, it's kind of, it, it was a trend this past year of a lot of business people, entrepreneurs reading it. And I've, <clears throat> and I will tell you, there's some brilliant points it makes. I don't know that I don't personally subscribe to all of it. Um, the guy who wrote, it's not a financial manager. He's just kind of an observer and uh, a liver of life. But he makes a couple of good points because um, most people are trying to, to, to amass this, this huge amount of money and to give them whatever sense of comfort that, that we need, right? <clears throat> My voice keeps kind of. And so what, what he talks about in, in Die With Zero is take the amount of money that you make a year. Right. Um, so let's say let's say somebody is making, you know, one of these people that's just trying to amass a lot. Let's say they're making three hundred thousand dollars a year. Right. Um, and you divide that by, you know, how many hours in a work week you, you, you put in and, 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 and you get your um, you get your 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 hourly rate or you could figure out your monthly rate or you could figure out, you know, your yearly rate. If it's, let's say it's $300,000 a year. And let's say, let's say that you, you work until you um, amass $3 million, right? In, in an account somewhere, retirement and whatever else. What he says, is, which is pretty brilliant. He says, if you, if you die, <clears throat> The amount of money you've got in the bank when you die, you've got to divide that by your annual earnings. So if it's $3 million you've got in the bank and you were making $300,000 a year, you died with what that says is that you worked 10 years for free. Hmm. You work for free for 10 years because you never use that money. So what would have happened if you died with zero and you quit working 10 years earlier and you spent that time with your spouse or your children or traveling or doing whatever, instead of working, you could have had 10 years of your life back to do things that you really wanted to do and that brought you joy and love and all kinds of things. Um, Versus going and bitching about, you know, your work every day. 
Um, and it was kind of, when he puts that in perspective, it's kind of an interesting, dang, that's a, because when you say to the guy, like, what are you afraid of? You know, on some level, uh, you know, we kind of have to be afraid a little bit of, 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 of sacrificing, you know, personal reward for professional punishment, not that it's punishment, but, but sacrificing that reward for work, nonetheless, for way too long, you know, because as, as he says, you know, the problem is most people stop working. Sometimes it's because they got cancer, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's because they had a heart attack and they can't do whatever. And so now when you stop working, you can't even live your life because you're friggin' you got all this shit going on with you and you're just, you, 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 you worked to work and you never of- worked to live. Exactly. A lot of people that retire have that issue because they, they don't know what their identity is now. Their identity was so much with their work and their financial life. And now they have this free time and they don't know. They had expectations. They don't know how to be. They get depressed around that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. It happens. But yeah, it's, it's, um, there's so many things that come in. You know, you talk about the guy that's again, going back to the guy with the 1.4, you know, it, I I've watched a lot of people every time they have, every time they score a touchdown, they do a big touchdown dance, right? You know, they, they close the deal, they do whatever they buy the car, they buy the watch, they celebrate and blah, blah, blah. I have never been that way. And I, and I know, and it's because I just, I kind of grew up in a, in a small, you know, rural town and, and, and it was, you just didn't, you, you just I, somehow I've always known that everything can go away in an instant. You know, you've watched the people do the touchdown dances and the next thing you know, they're out of business and they're bankrupt. Right. And it, you know, certain businesses can turn on a dime and do whatever. And so there's, you know, that's my reality where, where I'm aware of, you know, I don't ever want to celebrate or do anything or buy anything nice when I do something good, because it's just, you know, it's, it's just a moment in time and it needs to be handled responsibly and, you know, it just, and I'm, I'm just conservative that way where, and that's not, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I mean, my point is everybody has this Rubik's cube and every little dot is your uncle or your pastor or the first business mentor or something you witnessed. And all these little things on the Rubik's cube turn into your Rubik's cube about money. And everybody's got different color schemes and different color patterns and nobody's Rubik's cube has all the colors on all the sides. And we're all just trying to get it right because none of us are financial masters. I mean, we we're trying to find our own way and we're trying to find a way that's comfortable. And then you add a marriage or, or a relationship into that. And you realize now, shit, I got two Rubik's cubes. I got to figure out how to, I mean, our, our buttons don't completely match up. And when they don't, we got to, figure out when they don't and why they don't and how they won't in the future. And it's, you can see how complicated that can get because money is such a personal and touchy subject. And it really is. What's interesting is I think it's just, it's so emotionally rooted. It's not, you would think that money would just be a logical, a logical thing because it's money, but it's so emotionally charged out of fear or out of, It's out of fun like security that's what it gives for people like so emotional yeah. security and, and and that yeah but it's funny it's you know one of the things i learned in real estate which was valuable which actually is making me think about this in a different light is i had a mentor once that said um here's never forget this he said never 
fight emotion with emotion and never fight logic with logic. He said, you're going to have people that come at you and they're going to, they're going to reject you or they're going to have a rejection. And you have to determine whether their rejection is emotionally based or logically based. And if they have a logical objection, then your job is to create an emotional response that gets them off the logic. And if they have an emotional response or rejection, then you have to provide logic that sheds light on the fact that they're not being logical, they're just being emotional. And when people can see that I'm being overly logical or overly responsible, and I need to look at both sides of that coin and bring more emotion or bring more logic in it, you can actually overcome a lot. He said, but if you, he said, it's like pouring gasoline on a fire. If you're responding emotionally to somebody who's acting emotionally. And, um, and my guess is that that could probably come into play with um, this whole money thing too, would be my guess because it's so emotionally charged and you just have to put some clarity around it to go, that really is kind of stupid, isn't it? When I think about it, I mean, it's just, it really goes back to when I was 10 years old or it really goes back to when I was, you know, 18 years old and I didn't know what to do. And I was, you know, broken, homeless, you know, whatever, whatever it was that somebody store. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it is. That's it, interesting to me. It, it, it's also interesting for me of emotion and logic. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's interesting for me also part of we're talking about somebody 1.4 million or 300,000 but people that also have 25,000 or 50,000 or you know what what a lot of studies show that if people can pay their sustenance if they can pay their food their shelter everything else after that is kind of gravy and that's the emotional part that 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 we deal with and so you know many people that are just getting by some of the part of the fear of either not being able to have a roof over their head as opposed to I'm not going to be able to pay for college or I'm not going to be able to pay for that that newer car. There's a different emotional base for people too. And it's so important for couples to really work at that together because so many times they hide those fears. You and I were talking about, I mentioned the word uh, financial infidelity. Yes. That happens so much in relationships. I even do it sometimes. I'll do... I'll tell my wife I bought a pair of pants and say it was 40 bucks when it was really $75. What the fuck am I doing? It's so, so ridiculous to do something like that. Right. It's, it's caught in the aspect of shame. When things are secret, it's around shame. So do I not think I deserve to spend 75 bucks on a pant? Or if I spend that, I'm thinking, oh, she's going to say, well, I'm going to spend $80 on. And it's so ridiculous when we get into that. But that's where it really lies because when infidelity is infidelity and it doesn't really matter if it's sexual infidelity and so forth and couples when there's a secret bank account when there's a secret credit card when that's found out there's an underlying aspect of betrayal that takes and erodes trust so when when couples and families are talking about it openly even if it's hard and it's embarrassing it creates more trust when we talk about it openly yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. And, and again, I think we get in, gosh, we get in such habits of non-communication around a lot of things in our lives with our partners that, um, you know, we just figure out how to, how, to, um, how to get through things or get by with things instead of dealing with things, really. And that's probably a, it's probably a big one. I mean, because if you could, 
if you could have an honest conversation around how that makes somebody feel when, you know, you're the income earner and you make me feel like, you know, I'm a child and I get, I get a, I get an allowance and, you know, I only get to spend this much a week on groceries. And I mean, I, I know couples that operate that way and it's, it's, it's mind blowing to me that, um, that, that, that somebody who, who, who isn't a completely seemingly respectable marriage, but has, you know, financial restrictions based, you know, the, by on the partner of, of what they can, you know, where they, how much money they can spend to eat a week, you know, and some, that's, that's a level of control I'm not used to seeing, you know, on the same level, you've got people that, you know, they have to make those decisions because, because financially they're not, they're not in a place where, where that's extremely discretionary and they don't have a lot of discretionary income. And then, you know, in the dating phase on the front end, you see a lot of guys that, you know, spend way too much money trying to prove they love somebody. Um, and, you know, they, they just dig a hole before the, before the game even starts that they got to dig themselves out of. Yeah. And, um, and that becomes also punishment or withdrawal love, right? When, when it's not going well or they don't like what their partner is doing or not doing, then they withdraw that. They withdraw that part of how they give. And that can really mess up a relationship. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, because you I mean everything, everything's a, you know, you're always setting a precedent on the front end, right? So this is how I behave. And this is how I behave when I'm happy with you and love you and excited. And this is where, you know, and then, but again, on that front end, where you're talking about where people don't talk about money at all. I mean, if, if I'm somebody and I'm getting gifts all the time from somebody, and this is awesome, you know, what am I going to think when, when, when I realize that you're spending money you don't have? Yeah. Right. You know, now where do we go? Because I think a lot of people hit that wall. You know, this was all great, but why didn't you tell me you re you really had no business spending that kind of money and doing all that stuff for me? I mean, I would have been completely happy otherwise. But yeah, and and that turns into a this cycle of criticism and complaint. People usually come with that instead of requests. You know, they complain, and then it gets into the characterization of the person instead of just making a request of just saying the next time that you make some purchases at that flower shop. Could you tell me about the amount that you're going to spend so that I know that instead, instead of saying you're very irresponsible, you don't tell me at all, you're keeping secrets. That's that kind of complaining is not going to in, endure somebody to want to have those conversations. So when couples are talking about, yes, we need to have our weekly budget or monthly budget meeting, I always say great idea. But before you do that, sit down and do an appreciation heart share to exchange your appreciations to each other have that kind of connection and see each other in that light and then go talk about that challenging issue. Don't do it from a deficit. Do it from where you see the, the power of the other person and the value of the other person because can, people can disempower each other so easily with criticism because of the fear. Yeah, they don't even know they're doing it. Right. They exactly. don't even know they're doing it. Mm -hmm. right. Just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, and there's something, there's some truth to be said. I think, you know, I think you treat the people close to you the worst sometimes because you're, you, you, you feel like they're, they're, they're in your corner and it's a compliment on some level because they, they don't think you're going to go anywhere and they believe in you, but, you know, and so they feel safe to kind of let the, let the shit fly sometimes, but it's, but at the same time, it, 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 sometimes it leaves a mark. Right. And, 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 and when things leave a mark, they, uh, you get overly sensitive to it when it happens again, or you think it might be happening again and it's not. And, you know, I can see where money, where it just, that just develops into a big old boil that uh, is going to have to be lanced at some point. Exactly. And I do think, again, if you want to, if you do decide to get married, you're in a partnership and to keep things 
as separate, especially as important as, as finances, you're not really digging down into the relationship and really working it and working all the emotional and, and triggers and the challenges. So well, it's kind of interesting because I mean, it's, it's the separate bank account thing for marriages for me is that's always been a, a head scratcher because it, 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 a, it just, it doesn't seem like you're really a, 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 a unit if you, if you, if you have money separate. Um, and I, I guess somebody wants to keep it separate. What do you think? But the person that, that has more money or more earnings wants it separate, or do you think the person I would think that's the case more than the other person that wants it. And then, but if you set that up, it's kind of interesting because you're actually setting the stage for that financial infidelity or creating a, an opportunity for that financial infidelity by having things separate, which you're trying to control something, but you're creating chaos potentially somewhere else. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people do the separate bank accounts because maybe one person is a, a spender, the other one is a saver, maybe it's out of hand spending. So they're going in debt because that person can't just control their, their, their spending. So to me, it's like, well, let's, let's address that. Let's address aspects of what's happening emotionally for, for both of you, instead of just putting that structure and not addressing it. Cause they really don't, they, they address it with conflict and fight instead of trying to get understanding just like they would something else. It, you know, if, if your sex life isn't going well, your first shot isn't to have separate sex lives. Your first shot is to let's really work this through. We got to really, really titrate it into understand our different needs, understand our different desires, and people don't do that as quick. I mean, they they do it much quicker to pull back around around money. Sometimes it it, it works for some people this, the the separateness, but as you're saying, that could get into less communication and um, underlying resentment that's not spoken to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, I, again, I mean, it's, um, I mean, I, I know of, I know of people who, who go to the grocery store and they, they tap yes to the cash back at the end of their transaction and they, they take 50 bucks out and they roll that 50 bucks into their separate account that they've got. And they just keep, you know, padding the coffers for, for what I don't know, but, um, my guess is that's a fairly prevalent situation with people who have separate bank accounts. And, you know, so their, their, their partners not seeing them withdraw money at the bank. They're just seeing that they spend a little bit more money on groceries this week and yeah. they're none the wiser. <clears throat> exactly. And again, that I believe that that's an aspect of financial infidelity and yeah. Yeah. And I, and I know when I'm, in the past, if I'd done anything in a way of not really fully disclosing because of fear of my wife's response or we might have different decisions, that just tells a lot about the trust of our relationship. So I really want to encourage people to really work at that foundational aspect of, of, of trust and see their fear so that they can talk about that so they can have more financial intimacy than financial you know, infidelity. Yeah. What are the questions, what, 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 what are the first steps for somebody that, um, you know, in a relationship with, let's say you don't know, or you know that, you know, like any aspect of your marriage or relationship, your, your, your financial, you want to improve the, the, your financial relationship around the money you have, the money you want to have, the track you are on to creating the money you want to have, or the retirement you want to have. I mean, everybody's kind of got 
some vision of where they want to go, maybe not a clear vision of how they're going to get there, but how do you, how do you create alignment? You know, for me, I think alignment is such a big word for most everything, but how do you create alignment with, with, with a partner monetarily for people that are, that are struggling out there or that, you know, realize they got an issue, but they don't know how to talk about it. Great question. I think what I, what I usually work with is, is to get underneath of, of the value system and the goals of what that money will, will, will create. What feelings do you want it to create in you? As some people are, want to use it for the excitement of travel or bringing out another aspect of themselves or the sense of relief and security to get to the emotional part to see if people are aligned with, yes, I want to feel that relief or yes, I want to be able to better myself in, in these ways educational wise or different things like that. Um, some people, are, their home is so important. So they want to make sure that their home is conducive of, of comfort as well as safety. And when they get to that level, now they're talking about their value systems and their goals from a whole different level than just numbers. Because like you said, if, if you're just talking numbers, then, then, then it's a scoreboard. It's not the aspect of sharing a valued life together. So I, that's what I try to address more about their alignment around that. And then is important, the, and then what, what will it take away, right? Like you just said before when we were talking, that time, does it take away, if we're going to work our balls off to get that house, but we're doing it every weekend, do we really want to take away from the bonding of what that will create in our family just to sacrifice those connections in order to have that spanky house or that spanky car um, or the college education. I get that it's challenging for people, but they have to remember what they're also giving up and what they're sacrificing. So do you have people, um, let's say that, 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 you know, somebody's married out there and they want to travel. You mentioned travel. Let's say that travel is really important and that that's something they can create alignment on. And, and, you know, do you say, this is like when I was coaching, you know, my real estate agents, you know, we would, we would try to find something everybody wanted, a goal everybody wanted to work toward, you know, in a, in a marriage, would you be like, okay, so let's, let's decide where we're going to go in two years or a year. And let's say it's the coast of Italy and, you know, let's open a bank account and let's put, you know, $2,000 in that bank account. And let's, let's watch, let's, let's just fund our Italy trip in this bank account. It's not, so all the money that, when we look at something, we're going to say we could we could we could buy this extra pair of shoes, or we could put that hundred bucks in, into the into the Italy account. Mm -hmm. And everybody kind of focuses on you know adding to the Italy account, and your your decisions are weighed against Italy or or this Italy or this Italy or this. Um, do you have people do that, or, or or is there something different? I do some of that because I grew up with envelopes. My father had envelopes, you right. know, so I, I still have envelopes. You know, right. put it in there. But what I'd like to work with too is what's the feeling if you go to Italy? Start dreaming about it now. Start talking about it now. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll have dinner at the wineries. And because and, it's the feeling that people want. So it might as well start getting the feeling now and not waiting for the expectation because a lot of times that expectation never even meets it and people get really disappointed. So if people are listening to Italian music, eating Italian food for the for those years that they're building up to go to Italy, they already have a sense of that connection that they want with each other and talking about it and feeling it. That to me is, is an interesting connection instead of putting off the gratification and working 
where sometimes that working to get it, you're not doing it as a team. So enjoying it while you're working to get it, that's a whole different different ballgame. Well, it's funny. They say trips have three parts, the um, anticipation, the reality, and the memory. And those are the, those are the three elements of a trip and people don't put enough stock in the anticipation of it. And it was, I thought about the other, this came up a couple of weeks ago with something I thought, wouldn't it be great if there was an app on your phone that if you, um, if, if you put in that I'm going to go to Greece um, and that's, that's my next big trip. And then the, the app would, every time you turn your phone on, it would just scroll pictures of, of, of Greece so that it keeps you focused on the trip you're going to take when you're going to, when you're going to take it. And so that you're doing exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. There was a time where some years ago, five years ago, so my, my wife would go to Denmark every year to see her family. And she came back and she said, you know, I really want to go to Italy. And I'm thinking, Italy, you just fucking spent three months in Denmark. What are you talking? And she looked at me and she said, did I ask you to buy me a ticket to Italy? I just said, I want to go. And I had to realize that what we were having what I call now is a dream conversation. When when we're having a dream conversation, people, the accountant goes out the door. It's not about how we're going to do it. And she wanted to dream with me. So what do we eat? Where would we go? And how would that feel? Would you rent that scooter? What do we do? And when we started doing that, and I could relieve myself of the burden that I had to figure out how to do it, I mean, I'm with you on that. I do the same thing. I'm, I'm a little bit of a dream buster when it comes to that, for sure. I, and, I, and it's because of exactly that, yeah. where I'll go, whoa, man. All right. That's good. That's going to be that's going to be an expensive trip or whatever it is. And, and I go right to that. I go right to the expense of something big. It's, you know, I've always said, you know, I can I can. I can save a hundred bucks and, and my wife can save a hundred bucks and figure out how to save a hundred bucks on something. But man, we can spend $10,000 like that, you know, on something, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's something worthwhile, but it's, but I do go, my, I do have an initial reaction that goes, Fuck, that's going to be a lot of money or, you know, that's going to, you know, it, it, there, there is that. And, and it's not, and it, it is, it, that's a good way to put it. You just got to have a dream because it's, you know, ideas are not planned. Right. And plans are not ideas and, right. and they're, they're very separate. And if you look at the obstacle first, it's, it's harder to get past it. But if I'm dreaming, and I'm connecting it, then I'm going to find a solution to the obstacle instead of, instead of making more obstacles of why it can't happen because I'm fearful of it. So uh, that taught me because lo and behold, a couple of years later, we're in the Amalfi coast riding the scooter for a month. I was like, yeah, baby, there you go. You know, there you go. we made it. Happen. Well, the one thing I've learned with, with my marriage now is, you know, while, while I, ha- well, I may have an initial resistance to a, a grand idea, um, I, I, her, her vision of things is usually what ends up happening. You know, it's, 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 it's not, you know, my resistance is, is an issue and a little bit of a buzzkill on it, but it ultimately it all works out and I'm, and I'm on the other side of it. You know, it's just my, 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 my nature is to, push back or to have to create an obstacle, as you say, for some reason, I can't really explain it. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you it's annoying to her. It's you know, annoying. I can, I can tell you it's fucking annoying to her yeah. and it's, and it's annoying to me when I look back at it and go, you know, this house we just bought, for example, you know, we just, we were, we were trying to figure out how to get some of the equity out of this, out of, out of our real estate. Cause we have some real estate places around and, but most of them are businesses for us and they create cash flow and that sort of thing. But 
so it made sense that the house that we were living in was probably the most opportune house to to create you know to, to tap into the equity and when we first started talking about it it was you know i love my house my house for me is a really important thing and i love it and love it and i didn't really want to sell it even though it we, we had some issues with the neighborhood and whatnot but she's like, look, we th this is our moment. We can get out of here and we can, this house will never be worth what, what, what it's worth right now, at least in the foreseeable future. And it's, um, this is our opportunity to escape and escape well. So we did, and in my mind, I was thinking, well, yeah, we can do that. And then we can downsize a little bit, take some of that equity, put some cash in it. What do we do? We ended up buying a house that was even more expensive, put all of the equity in, but as she says, and and, it, and as it was true, I mean, we saw this house. I was like, "There's no way we're going to buy this house. This is too expensive. This is whatever." Well, we're we're living in that house today, and that equity is in a much better place for even creating even more equity than it ever was in the house that we were in. So it was a fantastic, you know, investment. But it had some discomfort along the way, and it's going to have a little bit more operating costs and that sort of thing. But in the long term, it's going to be it's going to be great. But it was. My first thing was, we can't do that. Right. We can't do that. And she's like, why can't we do that? Mm -hmm. You know, why wouldn't we do that? So we play it safe. And what else are you going to do with the money? This is a fantastic place to put it. You know, the real estate market better than I do even. She's like, tell me this is going to be worth a lot more money than what we're paying it for versus the house we just sold. Mm -hmm. And she's right. Yeah. But it's, but you just kind of, we, I think we definitely assume roles in a relationship of, that we just kind of play out. And, and I don't even know that we even mean to play them out. It just becomes some sort of a silent um, reality, maybe, or, or just something that just, but I think, rec I mean, I'm definitely getting much better at recognizing it now. And so I'm trying to temper responses when I feel something like that start to come up. I've tried to find a way to ask more questions instead of create a statement that kind of sets the tone for an obstacle or resistance because I don't even know why I do it. I mean, I, I know it's rooted in some sort of security and fear of something, but, um, you know, but the half the battle I think is going, well, I don't really need to shit on this idea. I mean, why, 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 you know, let's, 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 let's water it instead of piss on it exactly. and see what happens. Cool. Hey brother, man. Thank you so much. This, this was a great conversation. You're yeah. awesome. I didn't know where this was going to go and how I was going to be able to help it, but it, it was a, I enjoyed having the conversation. I don't know if anybody else is going to enjoy it, but uh, yeah. I, I enjoyed it a lot. We always got to start the conversation, you know, for people to let it percolate within themselves and go deeper and that kind of understanding. So, I really well, and I think actually, you know, what the, the beauty of it is truthfully, I mean, I'm not a financial guru. I mean, I've done well and I've got some whatever's, but um but it's, I think it's actually, you know, when I think about the people that I've listened to in my life, it's the people that aren't self-proclaimed experts at things. You know, you just realize, gosh, I've got a lot in common with that guy, or I do that, or I'm not telling anybody how to do anything. I'm just giving you some observations of, that I've seen in my life, and maybe they'll help you, maybe they won't. But, you know, it just definitely made me think about a couple of things just having the conversation with you that we had. So this is awesome. Thanks, I'll talk to you about anything, anytime, Prepo. I'm there. Yeah, sweet. Well, what do you want people to know? Anything that you want them to know of what you're up to, or how they you know what? I'm 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 peacefully living my life at the moment. If if anybody's looking for some inspiration and trying to figure out how to better their life, they can go buy my book Effortless, F dash it dash less, um, eighteen F words to reframe and repurpose your life. It's a book I'm very proud of, and it's got a lot of hard earned wisdom in it, and um, I'm sure it'll help um, 
the young and old alike. Mm, sweet. Great. And your website is? Uh, SeanRawls.com. S-H-A-U-N-R-A-W-L-S.com. Great. And you can get information on that. Books on Amazon. It's on Audible. If you don't want to read it, I can read it to you. You can download it. You can download it on Audible and I will read it to you. So, uh, but no, it's, uh, it's cool. But other than that, I'm, that's it for me. I'm, I'm, I'm good. And I'm happy having conversations like this with you, my man. Sweet. Well, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your family lake stay, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. We'll do it. Hey again. man, my pleasure. Enjoy your, uh, enjoy your son. I know you're super excited and I want to, I want to know what he thinks about the new carnival body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Over Arm wrestling, arm wrestling. I think you can take him. We'll do that over a big T-bone. Uh, <laughs> thanks for that. Hey, take care of yourself, buddy. You too. Bye. Relationships, Let's Talk About It, is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prebo Teplitsky, visit prebo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.